Do you remember Ray Epps? He's one of the stranger figures from the January 6th saga. He was the guy who was caught on camera, not only participating in, but actually leading the riot into the Capitol. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. pretty weird behavior. A lot of people thought it was weird at the time. You can actually hear them in the first part of that clip. They're chanting, fed, fed, fed. He's saying, go and storm the Capitol. And they're saying, no, don't storm the Capitol. This guy's a fed. Don't listen to him. Things then got even weirder because after the riot, as federal agents began locking up Midwestern dads and Trump supporting grandmas for getting a little too rowdy in the Capitol rotunda, the guy caught on tape inciting the riot was never arrested. Well, now things have gotten even weirder because the New York Times has just published a glowing puff piece on him. The article is by Adam Goldman, who is a major propagandist for the FBI-led Russia hoax. Now he writes, quote, Ray Epps has suffered enormously in the past 10 months as right-wing media figures and Republican politicians have baselessly described him as a covert government agent who helped to instigate the attack on the Capitol last year. He goes on, during the event, he was videotaped by a right-wing provocateur encouraging people to go inside the Capitol on January 6th in what he described even at the time as a form of peaceful protest. But what, are they, they're defending According to the New York Times, every single person who was anywhere near the Capitol on January 6th is an insurrectionist and a terrorist that almost overthrew our sacred democracy, except for the guy who incited the people to go in there. He's apparently a great guy for some reason, and we should all stop calling him a Fed. That's what the New York Times wants me to believe. I don't know if Ray Epps is a Fed or not, but I do know that a New York Times puff piece is not helping his case. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Nick Pogvara, who says, Michael, you missed a delicious opportunity while talking about skinny people believing they are fat by not calling them trans fat. You are right. I realized this after the moment had passed. Trans fat was the obvious pun. I should have gone for it. I accept the criticism and I will do better next time. Uh, speaking of doing better in the future, you know, sometimes when I have invested in crypto in the past, I haven't done it in the smartest way. You want to do it smart, you got to check out Alto IRA. Right now, go to altoira.com slash Michael. When you do anything in life, there's one way to do it, and then maybe there is a smarter way to do it. So you might already be investing in crypto, but did you know that you can trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and over 80 other cryptocurrencies in a tax-advantaged IRA? Alto Crypto IRA, in particular, is a great way to start investing and trading in crypto with a tax-advantaged retirement account. No commissions, no paperwork. Alto makes investing in crypto incredibly easy. You create an account in just a few minutes, you invest with as little as $10, 
no setup charges. You just create your account, transfer the funds, start investing. Through Alto's integration with Coinbase, you get secure trading 24 7, 150 plus available coins on their interface, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano. There's lots of ways to fund your account. You make a cash contribution, transfer cash from an existing IRA, or roll over an old 401k. Open an Alto Crypto IRA account with as little as 10 bucks. Go to altoira.com slash Michael, A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com slash Michael. Start investing in cryptocurrency today, altoira.com slash Michael. The propaganda is going into overdrive. This puff piece on Ray Epps is particularly ridiculous from the New York Times. It's particularly shameless that they tell us all for a year and a half now that anyone who even thought about going to Washington, D.C. at all on January 6th is a horrible terrorist who should be sent to Gitmo, except for the dude who told everyone to go into the Capitol. He's a poor put-upon man. He's a victim. Please stop calling him a fed. But it's, it's not just on Trump. It's not just on January 6th. It's not even just against the Republicans. You're, you're seeing this propaganda throughout our political process, especially when it comes to COVID. So Dr. Fauci, he's making the rounds again. What did I tell you? You know, I hate to say I told you so. I told you when Dr. Fauci went into hiding, coincidentally, right around the time that my documentary Fauci Unmasked came out, coincidentally, right around the time that the Michael Knowles Public Health Protection Pledge was going around members of Congress and the uh, congressional candidates around the country. All of a sudden, Dr. Fauci disappears from public view. I said, don't you think that he's gone forever? He is going to come back. They are going to bring back COVID before the midterm elections. And what do you know? Here comes Dr. Fauci admitting that maybe the vaccines haven't been totally super duper effective so far. And that's why we've got another round of COVID. There's no doubt that the vaccines themselves, particularly vaccine plus a booster at the appropriate time when you become eligible for a booster, for more than one booster, if you're over 50 years old, you get eligibility for two boosters. One of the things that's clear from the data that even though vaccines, because of the high degree of transmissibility of this virus, don't protect overly well, as it were, against infection, they protect quite well against severe disease leading to hospitalization and death. And I believe that's the reason, Neil, why at my age, being vaccinated and boosted, even though it didn't protect me against infection, I feel confident that it made a major role in protecting me from progressing to severe disease. And that's very likely why I had a relatively mild course. The vaccines don't work, which is why you need to get more vaccines to protect yourself against the virus that the vaccines don't protect you against overly well. You follow that? My head is spinning. I love that. Listen here. The vaccines do not protect against infection overly well. You could drop the overly well. They don't protect against infection. It doesn't. Fauci got COVID. Maxine Waters got COVID twice in two months. The director, uh, secretary of HHS got COVID twice in 26 days, I believe it was, Xavier Becerra. A number of other very prominent people who are vaxxed and boosted. Not only are they infected, but they get infected multiple times in a very short period of time. And so now the propagandists have to move, move the goalposts. 
Fauci says, listen, look, the vaccines don't protect overly well against infection, but promise, I promise you right now, trust me, everybody, they protect really well against it being worse. It's that phrase that everyone has to recite when they get COVID, even though they're vaxxed and boosted. They say, well, yes, while I contracted COVID, I'm so grateful that I'm vaxxed and boosted because I know based on nothing that had I not been vaxxed and boosted, it would have been so much worse. And the the way that they get away with this is they pretend that they didn't originally tell you that the vaccines were going to stop you from catching COVID. They are memory holing all of those clips. I tried to dig them back up because I remembered that they talked about that. And I pulled up all my old links that I had for it. The links are dead. They have been burying this thing on the internet. Accounts that posted this on social media, they've killed the accounts. I had to go back to an old episode of my show to find the clips that had previously been on the internet that had been scrubbed from the internet in which Fauci and Walensky and Biden and all of the rest of them promised you that if you got the COVID vaccine, you would not be infected with the virus. You're okay. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. These vaccines are highly, highly effective. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. They're really, really good against variants. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. Get your first shot. And when you're due for your second, get your second shot. Our key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. What are you talking about? We never told you that the vaccines would protect against infection. No, no, that and liberals, gotta love them. They will tell you with a straight face, the vaccines were never supposed to protect you against infection. No, no, Oceania was always at war with East Asia. They were never supposed to protect you against infection or transmission. The purpose of the vaccines was always to, to mitigate the risk of hospitalization or death. What about those clips of Walensky and Biden and Fauci all telling you that the point of the vaccines was to stop you from infection and that it, they would stop you from being infected with the virus. Well, those clips are gone. Other than on this show, I, I challenge you to find those clips anywhere else on the internet. I don't think you will. They're probably going to scrub this episode because of that. And so this is how the propaganda works. They just rewrite history. They memory hole all the old stuff. The vaccines were never supposed to stop you from infection. The vaccines were never supposed to stop transmission. Ray Epps is definitely not a fed. <laughs> move along, move along. Nothing to see here. And so now that they've accomplished that part, now they're moving on to part two, which is COVID's coming back and you all need to mask up again. Good news is that we have the capability and the tools to address it. And we just need to utilize those tools. For example, getting vaccinated if you're not primarily vaccinated. If you're due for a booster, use a booster. And when you're in an area where you have a high dynamic of infection, and we're not talking about mandating anything, but we're saying recommending people when they are in indoor congregate settings to wear a mask. Those are simple, doable things that can help prevent us from having even more of a problem than we're having right now. He's not talking about mandating anything yet. He'll be talking about mandating things in about three weeks. And then he'll tell you, no, I never said we're not going to mandate anything. And then it's going to go on and on like a frog in water. They're just turning it up. 
starting with, oh, actually the COVID variants are back. Oh, actually you're going to want to get your extra booster. Oh, maybe you're going to want to put that mask on again. Oh, maybe you're going to want to stand six feet apart. Oh, maybe you're going to want to mail in your vote and <laughs> not show up because, because, you know, some people told you so and some people put their Nostradamus hats on and because COVID is the only issue on which this administration is even slightly above water, and it's the issue that makes it easiest to cheat in the election by being able to extend election day and encourage widespread mail-in ballots, all of which make the election system much more vulnerable to fraud. That's the words of Barack Obama. That's not even my point entirely. So I agree with Obama on that, and maybe on only that point. So they're going to bring it back. We are in mid-July, folks. The election is not until November. Expect a lot more COVID. This obviously makes people very tense. You're probably going to want to relax. When you want to relax, I recommend an all-form sofa. Right now, go to allform.com slash Knowles. I have invited you into my bedroom. You know that. I've told you all about my beautiful Helix mattress. Well, now Helix has left the bedroom. They've started making sofas. They just launched a new company called Allform. They are already making the best sofas we have ever seen on this show. It is a fabulous sofa for a lot of reasons. One, you get to customize a sofa using premium materials. You do it at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You pick the fabric, the color, the color of the legs, the size, the shape to make sure it's a perfect fit for your home. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional. And what I really love, let's say you're in a studio apartment right now. Someday you're going to live in a mansion. You can add more seats as your home grows. Really, really high quality stuff. They have a forever warranty that is literally forever to find your perfect sofa. Check out allform.com slash That's allform.com slash They're offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. Allform.com slash As Joe Biden flounders, expect more COVID. If Joe Biden were doing really, really well in his administration, you would not have the push to bring back COVID. But because Joe Biden is doing extremely poorly, you are going to see more of a push to bring back COVID because if you bring back COVID, that's the best chance that the Democrats have of not experiencing a complete political bloodbath in November. And make no mistake, Joe Biden is floundering. He just landed in Israel. He gets out of the airplane. He's still there right on the tarmac. He gives a little speech about how important it is to keep alive the honor of the Holocaust. I will once more return to the hollow ground of Yad Vashem to honor six million Jewish lives who were stolen in the genocide and continue, which we must do every, every day, continue to bear witness. To keep alive the truth and honor of the Holocaust, horror of the Holocaust, honor those we lost. The truth and honor of the Holocaust. Cool it with the anti-Semitism, buddy. A typical Biden gaffe. We've had a lot of these Biden gaffes recently. Biden always puts his foot in his mouth, but because now he is senile, he's doing it pretty much every time he speaks. He is reading things on the teleprompter he's not supposed to read. He reads lines like, repeat the line. He doesn't actually repeat the line. He just reads that line from the teleprompter. He stumbles around parties and no one wants to talk to him and it's caught on camera and it's very embarrassing. He doesn't seem to remember where he is. He constantly says very foolish things, but that's not the worst of it. If that were all that were going on, they would lock Joe Biden in a closet just like they did during the campaign, and he would be fine, and the technocrats and the apparatchiks would run the government, and things would be hunky-dory, and the Democrats would not be completely destroyed in November. 
The problem is that everything in the country right now is falling to pot, most notably inflation. Inflation just keeps going up. The inflation number for June, so it's June 2021 to June 2022, 9.1%. The stuff that you buy is 9.1% more expensive this year than it was last year. This is really bad. People expected inflation to be bad, and then you hit record inflation. And then the next month you hit record inflation. Then the next month you hit record inflation. And then you're looking at June, and the analysts at Dow Jones predict an 8.8% inflation rate, and it even blows past those horrible estimates to 9.1% on the consumer price index. This is devastating news for the Democrats and for the American people. I mean, you know this, you go to the grocery store, you order clothing online for your family, you try to fill the gas tank. It's so much more expensive. And inflation hits people at the lower end of the income spectrum much, much harder. So it's particularly painful for working class Americans, ordinary Americans. Really, really bad stuff. The only hope they have I think Democrats thought that the overruling of Roe v. Wade was going to give them a big excitement boost in November, really fire them up to go to the polls. Very few people vote on abortion, and it's split between pro-life and pro-abortion. That's not going to do it. And especially when you're looking at record high inflation, people can, are struggling to feed their families. And there is, there is no social issue that the Democrats are going to be able to gin up to get over that. You want to talk about Democrat financial mismanagement? You're seeing this in another goodie that they're trying to give out student loans. A lot of the Democrats, the really prominent Democrats who are pushing for student loan forgiveness have a little bit of an ulterior motive here. They've got a little bit of a conflict of interest because they themselves are carrying a bunch of student debt. AOC, who is one of the people leading the charge for student loan forgiveness, she has between $17,000 and $50,000 worth of student loan debt, according to financial disclosures. And AOC is complaining about this. And she says, it's so terrible that I have all this student loan debt. I took out all this debt to go to a college where I didn't really learn very much, to get a degree that wasn't worth very much. And then I just went back and was a bartender afterward. Then she became a member of Congress. So now she might be able to pay off that debt. She was complaining. She said, "I, I couldn't even go to grad school because I knew it would require me to take out so much more debt. As if AOC she'd be going to graduate school. As as if AOC should have gone to college. As if AOC, whatever education AOC got today with educational standards so far below what they once were, it's probably the equivalent of an eighth grade education 50 or 60 years ago. Just much, much more expensive. And Professor AOC, Dr. AOC was not able to go to college. Rashida Tlaib, who again, I I don't want to be rude or mean not the brightest bulb in the pack, not the sharpest tool in the shed. If a strong wind blew through her left ear, it would whistle out her right ear. Rashida Tlaib has between $70,000 and $100,000 of student loan debt. 44 members of Congress, that's 8% of the House and Senate combined. It's actually probably significantly higher in the House. I, I would imagine student loan debt is more concentrated in the House of Representatives. They are carrying student loan debt. So the, the move to forgive student loans is self-serving. And it's particularly self-serving because people who have college degrees and advanced degrees are more likely to make 
more money. And so you're, you're asking the American people as a whole to pay for the poor financial decisions of people who are statistically more likely to make more money than the average American. That, that seems really wrong. A tax on the poor to pay for the rich. That, that seems pretty wrong to me, doesn't it? So it's self-serving. It's wrong. It, it was a poor financial decision for AOC and Rashida Tlaib. But I don't, I don't want to just say it's all the fault of the individual. Don't take out this debt. It is their fault. You, you should make sure when you go into debt that you are going to get a good return on that investment. And I don't just mean majoring in some engineering degree or, or studying a trade or something. Uh, college education, liberal education is a wonderful thing if it's not training you for a job. The purpose of a liberal education is just to train you to make sense of your own freedom and to read lots of old dusty books that are not directly applicable to any job. And I think that is worth something, absolutely. So you can quantify a return on investment in a lot of different ways. But right now, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, they're not getting any of that. They're not being trained for a job. They're not receiving a classical education. They probably can't spell very well. I mean, they're not getting a high caliber education and they're taking out tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt to do it. The debt problem is a big issue because debt is slavery. It is. Debt is not just an individual problem. It is a social problem. When we have a society where people are mired in debt, that compromises people's freedom. Because when you are in debt, you have got to service that debt and you've got to, that, that will dictate the kinds of decisions you can make. And so I, I think this is a political problem. I do think I agree, at least in part, in principle, with the people who are saying we need to do something about student debt. We need to do something about the cost of college. But I, I don't think the answer to that is just forgive everybody's student loan debt. That's insane. All you're going to do then is incentivize these horrible leftist colleges to keep hiking the price of tuition because they know the taxpayers are going to foot the bill. You're encouraging more people who have absolutely no business in a college classroom like AOC and Rashida Tlaib to go and get these useless degrees in gender studies or whatever, sociology or something, and learn nothing but leftist indoctrination for four years and then go out and become more likely to, to be Democrats and vote for the Democrat Party. That's not a good system at all. We need to figure out a way. I'm not proposing a whole system. Maybe we'll do, maybe do a show in the future on how to deal with the debt problem. But I, we have to address the problem in such a way that it does not incentivize more of what got us into this place in the first place. We need, if we solve the debt problem, we need to do it in such a way that brings the colleges into line that does not just create a factory for Democrats and does not stick the whole bill on the taxpayers. Got to figure out a way. I mean, if you, if you think about the way that we in the West considered debt until the modern era, until the 16th or 17th century, th there was a prohibition on usury. There was a prohibition on uh, charging interest on loans that were not productive. So you, could, you can charge interest on loans if the, the loan is going to be invested in some project that is going to return a big profit. The people who invest in that project have a, a right to to receive some share of the profits there. But on an unproductive loan, if you charge interest, that is usury. And the loans that we are seeing for college these days are in many cases not productive. You do not get a return on that investment. So I think we need to go a little bit deeper than just, well, you took out the debt, that's your problem, go get a job kit. We've got to go a little bit deeper than that and realize this is a social problem that's going to affect everybody. And we're, we're creating a system where we're churning out more and more AOCs. And that's a very, very bad 
thing. Now, if you have a country just full of AOCs, that is essentially the death of your thriving country. And speaking of death, you will die someday. That's why you got to check out Epic Will. Right now, go to epicwill.com. Use code Knowles. For all of you adventurous spirits out there, I've got an interesting little tidbit for you. Did you know that 100% of people who skydive will die? Did you know that? Did you know that 100% of people who breathe will die? It is going to happen, baby. No one here gets out alive, whether you die jumping out of an airplane or whether you die quietly in your sleep 100 years from now. Either way, you need to have a will in place and you need to do it now. A will is the easiest thing to put off forever until it's too late. But a will is not just about you. It's about your loved ones. It's about the decisions that they will face if something happens to you. It's about what's going to happen to your stuff. It's about what's going to happen to your kids. It's about what's going to happen at your funeral. You you just need to get this stuff taken care of. Be a responsible adult. Do the right thing by your family. Go to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. Epic Will can set you up with a will in as little as five minutes. Super easy well worth 119 bucks to secure your family's future. Without a will, you may as well wrap up all that money and assets and hand it over to the state because that is what will happen when you die. No matter where you are in life, you need a will. Go to epicwill.com. Use code Knowles today. Everybody knows if you want to make something more valuable, all you got to do is raise the price of it. Just slap on a higher price tag and voila, you get luxury bread designer gasoline, exclusive squares of toilet paper. Does that sound familiar? The other way to create value is to offer people something that they really want and then charge them a fair price for it. So if you still have not heard, Dr. Jordan Peterson has joined us over at Daily Wire Plus. Right now, just $8 a month gives you access to the full sum of Jordan Peterson's intellect, his great new show, Dragons, Monsters, and Men, a four-part miniseries on men, masculinity, and the pursuit of greatness, not to mention everything else that we are doing with Daily Wire Plus to unwoke the country through fearless documentaries, gripping movies, and coming soon, kids' content. Take advantage of our $8 a month special membership offer. Go to dailywireplus.com today. Use code PLUS. That's dailywireplus.com right now. Do not forget to send in voice mailbags and written mailbags for the show tomorrow. The mailbag, of course, is sponsored by Pure Talk. It is my favorite time of the week. Keep those voicemails under one minute so that I can actually play them on the show. Look forward to hearing from you. We will be right back with a lot more. Joe Biden is spending our money very stupidly. The Democrats in Congress want to spend our money very stupidly for giving all of their student loans. There are people in this country who are still using money well. Truly one of the best examples of this I could cite. It's a Texas company that is paying employees not to have abortions. So you've heard all these stories ever since the overruling of Roe v. Wade of woke companies, and even not woke companies, even Tesla's doing this. Lots and lots of companies are offering to pay for the travel expenses of employees who want to go out and have abortions in other states. And it's so self-serving. One, it keeps these companies in the good graces of the woke mob. But two, it's self-serving because it's a lot cheaper for these companies to encourage their their employees to kill their children 
than to have to pay them for maternity leave, than to risk the employees not being quite so focused on their jobs because they're thinking about their kids and maybe they got to leave early one day to go pick Johnny up from school because he got sick. And that's, that's just a big headache for companies. They want to keep you barren, sterile. They want your kids dead and they want you sitting in front of a desk doing spreadsheets, not being, spending any time with your family, spending all of your time working for some other guy so that you can get a paycheck so that you, if you do have kids, can pay some other woman to raise your kids. That's what they want, okay? And so they've got all of these financial incentives to, to encourage you to kill your kids. This great Texas company is uh, paying employees 7,500 bucks to choose adoption. It says, these businesses are ignoring the possibility that many employees may simply need a little more help to carry their baby to term instead of blindly paying people to end an unborn child's life. Uh, companies should consider paying them to welcome that life into the world. Uh, this is according to the CEO of this company. I forget his first name, but his, his last name is Rex. Says uh, that's why my business has decided to give up seventy five hundred bucks for employees who want to have their baby and give it up for adoption. For me, the motivation is equal parts personal and professional. On the former front, I'm passionately pro-life, uh, yet there's also a strong corporate case to be made against abortion. And so I really like this argument that he's making. He's saying, obviously, I'm very pro-life, but there's a, a business decision here too. And he, he points out, women who have abortions often open themselves up to all sorts of mental health problems. Now, is this really the motivation for this policy? Not really. The motivation for the policy is to save babies because it's the right thing to do. But he's pointing out there, there is a corporate cost here too, because when women kill their children, they, it, that gives them a trauma. It's very hard for them. They've got to process that, if, especially if they don't realize what they're doing at the time or if they haven't fully appreciated what they're doing at the time. Later on, they realize, oh my gosh, I killed my child. Of course, that's going to give women all sorts of problems. I'm speaking anecdotally here, but the plural of anecdote is data. I know women, I've got women in my family and friends who have had abortions. I suspect all of us do. And the women who have had abortions, especially the ones who have had multiple abortions, they have problems. They've got a lot of problems dealing with that grief. Some of them have become pro-life and they realize how terrible it is what they did. Some of them still support abortion, and they haven't quite admitted that to themselves, and they still have lots of problems. And so this guy says, for business reasons, for ethical reasons, I'm going to uh, support adoption. Really, really wonderful stuff. I hope a lot more companies do that as well. Meanwhile, the Dems are doubling down on abortion on demand without apology. Uh, the House has been holding these hearings on abortion the House Democrats called an abortion witness, Sarah Lopez, who said abortion is not just a necessary evil. Abortion is the best decision I ever made. What these restrictions are intended to do is try and make people, try and stop people from having abortions. But abortion is health care. Um, my abortion was the best decision I ever made. It was an act of self-love. And I'm here today to make sure that everybody who currently needs an abortion, who has had an abortion or will need an abortion, is not alone, no matter what the state tries to force upon us. It's the best decision that I ever made, she said. I honor my abortion. She's, if, you, if you look this woman up, she has her testimony of how much she loves abortion. 
She says, I honor my abortion by no longer giving an SHIT about what people will think if they know I've had an abortion. That goes for friends and family. I've spent way too much of my life trying to please people. I love my abortion and I will remain unapologetic because it's the best decision I've ever made. The best decision? I wish I would have known that the shame that I felt after my abortion was due to harmful restrictions in Texas that are put in place to stigmatize abortion. Not because I did anything wrong. From the moment I found out I was pregnant, I knew I didn't want to have a child. And almost five years later, I've never regretted my abortion, all capital letters, she writes. But it took me a long time to reclaim my sense of self because the patriarchal society tells us our bodies are not ours. So there you go. Now you realize. When when you hear this woman speak in the testimony, you think, the, the best decision you ever made? I could understand. Maybe you say it was a good decision. I don't regret this, but it's the best decision. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. And then here she admits, yeah, I felt a lot of shame after my abortion, but that's only because of the patriarchy and the society and the unfair stigma. No, darling, it's your conscience is what it is. It's because of the moral reality that even you with your conscience that has maybe been dulled and deadened by leftist ideology is still able to perceive and you know it's awful and you know you murdered your child. And what did it give you? What did you get? What was the reward for murdering your child? Now you get to be a shill for the liberal establishment that seeks to convince lots of other women to kill their babies so that they can be more productive in the neoliberal marketplace. And you get to prattle on for an afternoon in front of a bunch of degenerate members of Congress and then you'll, your 15 minutes will be up and you'll go back to obscurity. And that's what you get. Was that worth it? Was that really worth it? You don't regret it at all? You sure are talking about this for a lot for someone who doesn't regret this decision. Oh, this was no big deal. Not, I do, doesn't bother me in the least. Well, then how come you keep talking about how little it bothers you? Who are you trying to convince? Who are you trying to convince? You're not convincing me. You're not convincing, I think, most people in the audience. Something tells me you're not convincing yourself either. And not convincing the American people. You know, this, the momentum is clearly on the side of pro-life here. You see it legally, you see it politically, you see it from the elected representatives, you see it happening in the states. And the libs are very upset because they're losing their, their tight grip over this abortion regime. So the DOJ, what's the DOJ trying to do right now? They're launching a task force to protect women's reproductive rights. This just came out. Story, story from Reuters. And they're saying, okay, the U.S. Department of Justice unveils a new task force that aims to protect women's reproductive rights. Uh, the task force will be chaired by the Associate Attorney General, Vanita Gupta, uh, to monitor and evaluate state laws that will threaten to infringe on federal legal protections related to reproductive health care, by which they mean abortion. Uh, but there is no constitutional right to an abortion. That's what the Supreme Court has declared. Those federal legal protections for abortion are pretty flimsy. The states are, gonna, are going to protect life. And there's relatively very little that the federal government can do about that. There is one interesting aspect to this, though. And you see it in the Reuters article. They say, Although abortion is the focus of many state laws, reproductive health care advocates have warned that some of these bills could have far wider reaching implications for women's health beyond the procedure itself, beyond abortion. Some of the state bills, for instance, recognize personhood from the moment of fertilization, a definition that could hamper in vitro fertilization treatments in which doctors collect and fertilize a woman's eggs in hopes of finding a viable embryo 
for transfer into her uterus. This is a great point. And if the Democrats were smart, if the pro-abortion people were smart, this is the area that they would really focus on if they're attacking the pro-life movement, if they're attacking conservatives, and if they're attacking the personhood laws that, that defend life from the very beginning. Because, and I, I alluded to this a few days ago on the show, but it's going to become a more important issue as this debate moves past, should we overrule Roe v. Wade and moves into the next phase of the pro-life bioethical discussion. If our argument is that a person is a person from the very moment of conception, then it is very difficult for conservatives to defend in vitro fertilization because in vitro fertilization creates lots of moments of conception. And it does so not in the conjugal act, not in, in the old fashioned way, which is a lot of fun, but in a test tube. And then in practice, I'm not saying this is always what has to happen necessarily, but in practice, this is virtually always what happens. In in vitro fertilization, a lot of embryos are created and they're put in a freezer and they're locked away. And then some are implanted. And sometimes even if too many embryos attach and grow within the womb, sometimes abortions will take place. Sometimes abortion will be recommended. Uh, because they'll say, well, you know, you've got now quadruplets and you can't carry that. That's not safe. And so it involves that. But even if abortion doesn't take place, do we really think that it is acceptable to lock up a bunch of human beings in a freezer indefinitely? No. And one way that some people have tried to make sense of this or tried to rectify this obvious evil is through something called embryo adoption which has bioethical concerns in and of itself, where people will adopt embryos that are right now frozen in freezers and implant them in their own wombs. You don't really know who the parents are. You grow the baby and then raise the baby as your own. That's one way to get around it, but you're still stuck with the intrinsic evil of creating a whole lot of human beings basically just to be put in a freezer forever. And I know that a lot of conservatives like in vitro fertilization. A lot of conservatives have personally benefited from in vitro fertilization because they were having fertility problems and maybe they couldn't conceive naturally. And so this was an option for them to get the baby that they so desperately wanted. But it's an option that has a whole lot of bioethical problems with it. And I think when we examine the issue really closely, and the libs are already starting to do this, and they're starting to point to this moral incoherence that the conservatives have right now, I think when you look at the issue closely, you have to see that a situation in, in which if we truly believe human beings are human beings from the very beginning, it is extremely evil to create lots and lots of human beings to lock up in a refrigerator for the foreseeable future. We can't tolerate that. This, even if conservatives don't want to have this conversation, it will be had. You're seeing, you're seeing the liberals already begin to poke at this. You're seeing the federal government already begin to poke at this. You're seeing the media finally beginning to poke at this. Conservatives need to have a good answer here. And I'm not sure that the right has fully thought through IVF, or at least large portions of the right. I'm not, I'm not sure that they've fully thought through this. Speaking of the welfare of children, a major development in the alleged case of a, of a rape of a child in Ohio. This was a story, we talked about it on the show a few days ago, and most conservatives, myself included, did not believe the story when it first came out. We just said it did, the story didn't quite add up. And the story was that there was a 10-year-old girl in Ohio who was raped 
and then she was not able to get an abortion. And Joe Biden said that her life might have been at risk and she couldn't get an abortion in Ohio. And therefore, she had to go to Indiana to get an abortion because she really, really wanted to get an abortion. And the story just didn't really add up. The media were reporting on it in really weird ways. There were basically no sources here. The uh, Ohio Attorney General looked into this, and there weren't reports of this crime. That wasn't really coming up. The pro-abortion activist who first planted the story wasn't answering a lot of questions about it. it th- actually, in Ohio, if the girl were at risk uh, if, if her life were at risk, she could have had an abortion in Ohio, so it wouldn't have made sense that she had to go to Indiana if that were the case. So it didn't really add up. But a suspect has been arrested in a rape that doesn't entirely fit the, the narrative we were told, but, br- but broadly speaking, does check the boxes and does seem to fit this story. So then the question was, well, I guess the conservatives just got it wrong. But what, But hold on, why was the story being reported in such a strange way in the first place? You didn't get the location. You didn't get any corroboration. You didn't get any reports of the crime itself. What was going on here? Now we have one possible answer as to why the story was being reported in such a weird way. Again, there's still a lot of questions with the story, but we have one possible answer, which is the suspect who was arrested in connection with the rape is an illegal alien. Illegal alien Gershon Fuentes, 27 years old, of Columbus, Ohio, was arrested Tuesday and charged with first-degree rape of raping, actually, almost certainly a nine-year-old girl, who then now is 10 years old, but she had just turned 10 years old when the story really came to light. So it might have been even a 27-year-old illegal alien raping a nine-year-old girl. And then it starts to make sense. If the story, and again, the details keep keep changing here. But if the story broadly is true, why would the media report on it in such a strange way? Oh, because they were covering up for an illegal alien. And this is something, this is something you got to remember, it actually ties right in with the, the New York Times story about Ray Epps at the beginning. It's not, it's not even about, is Ray Epps a Fed or is Ray Epps not a Fed? It, in this case of this horrible rape in Ohio, it's not even about what exactly happened? Where exactly did it happen? The first question you've got to ask, and when this is a lesson for conservatives too, we have to remember this. The first question you've always got to ask when you see these stories is, what is the angle of the media? Why are the media reporting on this story in this way? You've got to answer that question first before you can make sense of what the story actually is. Speaking of helping women, speaking of women's issues, Elizabeth Warren, Liawatha, Focahontas herself, Senator High Cheekbones, is introducing legislation to, not to help women, not to give women a choice, not to support all that choice and women's lib that she always prattles on about. She's introducing legislation to shut down crisis pregnancy centers. In Massachusetts right now, those crisis pregnancy centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination help outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. We need to shut them down here in Massachusetts and we need to shut them down all around the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that. You're torturing a pregnant person, she says, formerly known as a woman, you're to- a mother. You're torturing a mother, she says, if you offer her free or extremely low-cost resources to take care of her child. 
Crisis pregnancy centers are wonderful. They are actual pregnancy centers to help actual pregnant women without killing their children. The one thing you can't get at a crisis pregnancy center is uh, uh, killing your children. Just like how at Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood pretends to be a big pregnancy center that serves all women and all sorts of women's health care. But you can't get all sorts of women's health care at Planned Parenthood. Their chief product is abortion. So if you want to kill your kid, you go to Planned Parenthood. If you want help with your pregnancy, if you're, if you're a struggling mother and you, you want help during the pregnancy itself or with birth or just afterward for young mothers, you go to a crisis pregnancy center. I have had the privilege of speaking with all sorts of crisis pregnancy centers. They do, truly, they do God's work on earth. Liz Warren wants to shut them down. Why? Because she doesn't want a choice. At the very least, we've got to get rid of this pro-choice moniker. They do not want a choice. They want you to kill your kid. They do not want you to just make an informed decision. They don't want you to make an informed decision. They want to shut down the, the centers that will take care of you if you want to keep your child, and they want to federally fund the centers that will help you kill your child. That's it. It reminds me of this conversation between Betty Friedan, the American feminist, and Simone de Beauvoir, who was the strumpet of Jean-Paul Sartre, and she was a French feminist. And they had a debate over whether or not uh, women should have the choice to stay at home. And Betty Friedan said, yeah, if a woman wants to go work, she can. If, if she wants to stay at home, she can. And that's great. She can have the choice. And Simone de Beauvoir said, no, she can't have the choice to stay home. If women have the choice to stay home, they'll take that choice nine times out of 10. And that's not conducive to liberation. We have to force them to go to the workplace. Liz Warren is saying we have to force them to kill their kids, basically. If a woman is poor, if she's in trouble, if she's worried, if she's anxious, if it's an unexpected pregnancy, we need to force her to kill the baby. We can't give her the choice because it's all about power. And more broadly, it's about serving a broader system. It's not about a woman's individual choice. All about power. We need to reintroduce logic and reason to the discussion. The left broadly has been trying to take logic and reason out of our politics. That's why they're taking away the meaning of all the words. If words don't have meaning anymore, or if the meanings of words change every single day, then we can't communicate, we can't have a civil dialogue, we can't have reasoned debate. Politics ceases to be this reasoned uh, process of figuring out how best we can live the good life and how we can have a flourishing country, and it becomes a bare-knuckle brawl for raw interest and will. I want it, and I want it now, and that's why I'm going to get it. That's, that's not a good way to do politics. We need to reintroduce logic, especially to, to this discussion around abortion. You know where we're hearing this from? Not just from the conservatives in America, not just from the right-wingers. We're even hearing this from the Holy Father, from the Pope, who is not the most conservative guy in the world. Some people think he's very, very far to the left, and he has said and done things that would justify that belief. Even the Pope was just asked about Joe Biden's stance on abortion, how Joe Biden supports abortion. And here is what Pope Francis said about this. He said, let Biden talk to his pastor about that incoherence. <laughs> he called, I, I, and frankly, I sort of wish that Pope Francis were even tougher here and were even more clear. But th this phrase is pretty clear. He's saying that Joe Biden's defense of abortion is incoherence. And it is incoherence. To defend abortion is incoherent. 
to, for someone who enjoys the right to life to advocate denying the right to life is intrinsically incoherent. You might say it's satanic. There's a video going around. I have to get to this video. I meant to get to it yesterday. Of, of a young woman giggling over abortion. So this woman, she's got all sorts of face tattoos. She's got a, a satanic symbol on her chest. And she's watching a video of a kind of satanic, demonic-looking figure killing and torturing a baby. And she's laughing and she's giggling and she's getting a really big kick out of it. And she says, it's my favorite TikTok I've seen this week. Ha, ha, ha. There are all sorts of secular explanations for this. The libs and some of the conservatives even will say, oh, this is really, this is about leftism. This is about progressivism. This is about Marxism. This is about this is a metaphor. They're trying to metaphorize everything. You know, Satan's really just a metaphor for man's natural capacity for evil. Sometimes, guys, it's just the devil. And actually, it's kind of like that IQ bell curve mean. At, at the bottom end of the IQ curve, they say, duh, everything is about the goodness of God and there's the evil of the devil and we got we to gotta pursue God. Right, and then the people in the middle, the midwits, they say, well, actually, you know, it's a metaphor and it's a metaphor for this aspect of the internal turmoil and chaos of man's soul. And then you get up to the really smart guys at the top and they say, no, it's really, it's just about good versus evil. It's just about God and the temptations of the devil and you got to pursue God. And that's what this is about. People have been worshiping the devil for a lot longer than there has been leftism or Marxism. They all kind of play into the same thing, but every culture everywhere around the world has had some conception of God and some conception of the devil. Reminds me of that line from Antonin Scalia, where he was being mocked by a New York magazine reporter. And the reporter said, what, you believe in heaven and hell? He goes, uh-huh, I do. He says, you know, I even believe in the devil. He said, you're looking at me like I'm weird. Do you realize that most people throughout history have believed in, in the devil, that the devil exists? Do you, do you realize that many more intelligent people than you and me have believed that the devil exists? It's a very important line. It's a very important thing to remember. When we're, when we're trying to make sense of these political problems, sometimes, listen to the, the dumb guy at the end of the IQ bell curve meme. Sometimes, all the time actually, it really does come down to good versus evil. Those things that we try to write away as abstractions and metaphors and just mere images, those have reality. And we need to deal with that because we are imperiling our country and ourselves if we ignore it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina and Hair and Makeup by Cherokee Heart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Walsh Show, another congressional hearing about abortion. This one features liberals refusing to denounce infanticide, refusing to define the word woman, and once again claiming that men can get pregnant. It has been a very instructive spectacle, if nothing else. Also, 
AOC is the victim of an outrageous and violent attack after a comedian mildly heckles her for 10 seconds. And a parent at a school board meeting is told that it would be illegal to read out loud some of the material that the school board has approved for children in their district to read at school. Plus, Amazon bans me from advertising my book on its platform again. And car companies are now charging you subscription fees to access the features in the vehicle that you already paid for. We'll talk about all of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.